I think that there are all of these reasons that games inherently matter as part of this social life for students, and especially now they're very isolated during COVID. Games are a natural learning environment. We haven't really until fairly recently been thinking seriously about using that power of games to, towards learning actual usable life skills. You know, games are, are just packed full of all that stuff. They're packed full of humor, they're packed full of action. Hello, my name is Greg Picken from Lycan, and you're listening to the Root and Stem podcast, a podcast exploring issues and stories in STEAM education. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, or at pingwa.com. In our first episode, we spoke with educators about how COVID caused a rapid switch to online learning and how they addressed the challenge of keeping their students engaged. In this episode, we're talking with video game designers to explore how digital game experiences can bridge people and content, develop cognitive skills, and encourage learner development. That's right, we're learning with video games. They were a formative part of especially my social life um, for games. And, and I think that's something that um, educators who maybe weren't gamers themselves don't often um, realize is like I so we socialized around games. That's Lindsay Trofe. She's a PhD candidate and founder of Immersed Games, an early stage ed tech startup designing video games to empower student learning. She met her husband while playing games and was inspired to start her company when she realized how much she socialized and learned from them. And there's no end of people who say all the good things that come out of sports, right? That there's teamwork, there's good sportsmanship, there's planning, there's patience, there's an ability to understand failure and do failure analysis that has these other additional physicality benefits. But all the rest of it is present in any kind of digital games. That's Chris Crowell a game designer and creative director for globally known brands such as NASCAR, Tiger Woods, SimCity, The Sims, Indiana Jones, and Kung Fu Panda. He's also a professor of game mechanics at Sheridan College and frequently speaks and runs workshops at digital education conferences around the globe. Finally, John and Brenda Romero are internationally recognized game designers and creative directors and are well decorated for their work and achievements in game creation. John is best known as the co-founder of id Software and designer of iconic titles like Wolfenstein 3D, Doom, and Doom 2. The exposure to technology is what got me super hooked and out of there. If kids can be exposed to technology and they can learn technology, they can get out of their situation. Brenda was named as one of the top 10 most influential women in game development in 2018, and in 2017 she was awarded a BAFTA for her creative contributions. You know, what if anything, looking at any single character screen in a game, you have hit points and you have intelligence. How are all those things related to one another? And they're all numbers. During this pandemic, talking about why gaming matters feels particularly pertinent. How we approach education has changed and digital fluency seems more critical than ever. According to the New York Times, online gameplay has doubled since the start of the pandemic. Game companies are reporting record sales Usage since the pandemic started. This global game and a half billion dollars worldwide in To some, this increase in gameplay seems troubling. But to the game designers we talk to, there's another way to look at it. 
For millions of people, from avid Call of Duty players to candy crushers, video games are an attempt to maintain normalcy in unusual and difficult times. Games inherently matter as part of this social life for students, and especially now they're very isolated during COVID. And so letting students have this this way to, again, hang out. They're not necessarily, if you're talking an elementary or middle schooler, they're not going to just sit on Zoom and chat with their friends. They need to have this experience that they're working on together that replicate, that is play. The power of games is that it's all about that agency and interactivity and experimentation Kids who have access to digital devices are exercising a huge amount of agency in the rest of their life. I think especially now that, you know, we've been shut in for this period of time, um, that the value of getting together online for fun um, has, has really shown its worth. There are many issues surrounding video games, but we want to remove the stigma and consider how they can contribute to education. Ten years ago, John Romero was working on a game. There's a, there was a game that I was working on, and it was a giant game. It's called an MMO. That's massively multiplayer online, like World of Warcraft or EVE Online, a type of game that allows for hundreds or thousands of players to play simultaneously. And this game was for kids. And the game was uh, as exciting as one of the, the most popular MMOs around. It looked great. It played really, really well. And what it did was it taught stealth math concepts. In the game, kids had to solve math problems to unlock a chest or uncover different items. But there was a catch. It got rid of the symbols that you normally see in math to, to show, to present numbers and relationships in a different way. And it's not really teaching, it's really exposure. But if you're a kid and you see one of these puzzles and you start solving it, and you're thinking in the way that you need to think, like ratios and different ways of creating, you know, that exposure to the thinking, to the thought process of those skills is hugely beneficial when the kid gets to that grade, like say sixth grade, it makes them like math, you know, because it doesn't seem like math is scary. In playing this game, Kids were applying their math skills, but not through traditional didactic models of education or testing. Instead, they were being encouraged to think about math differently. This game also provided something else that designers would argue makes video games particularly good educational tools. Before kids could advance to another level in the game, they had to get the puzzle correct to unlock the chest. They could plan, test, and get results right away, and through that iteration and immediacy of feedback, they were learning. To fix a mistake and see the result instantly, that kind of um, immediacy, that feedback level is what keeps them going. If it took a long time to get feedback, they would be less interested because why wait around? Why are they waiting for like the result? This differs from tests in traditional models of education. Chris Crowell takes, for example, getting 15 out of 20 in a traditional school test. Like I ended up with 15 out of 20. Like, I'm happy with the 15, but I really want to know about those five, right? Like, that's a classic example of lack of feedback. I want to go in, interrogate that. With a gameful experience, I'm encountering each one of those things individually. If I succeed or fail, I know right away. And the failure will tell me where I was wrong 
in that loop, right? Was I wrong in my analysis of the initial situation? Did I have the wrong idea just by looking at this? Was my plan bad? I, I thought I could do something, but I actually couldn't. Did I execute it poorly? I didn't get all the way to the end, and then it tells me whether I won or lost the game, which is far too often the case with, with education. In a game, I'm experiencing these things individually. These game designers note something else about games that are different from, say, reading a book. They offer an experiential form of learning that involves observation, planning, and doing. So a lot of times people assume that the purpose of games is just engagement. And normally I'm a little dismissive of that because, you know, to me, that's kind of like a, a bare minimum um, that is really easy to meet because I do make a video game. Um, but especially during COVID, that has been even more important. Like, will my kids actually do this activity? Um, but what's really cool about games, when I tell people the real, like, secret awesome part about is that we can use games to set up essentially replicated authentic experiences. Lindsay's company, Immersed Games, makes video games that help middle school students learn science. So, you know, if I am trying to learn about genetics, what we actually do is rather than, say, just tell students about it or, or kind of play a video about some science phenomena or problem, we have a councilwoman in the game tell the students that we've done the calculations and we're about to have a food shortage and there's going to be a huge hunger issue and we need their help. And so they go work with a botanist and they learn about Punnett squares and selective breeding while increasing crop yield and working towards an engineering goal. And they run experiments on water and light levels in this lab that they're working in in the game. And so Essentially, we use a video game as a way to set up these authentic experiences. There are many reasons why video games differ from conventional to static models of education. They offer experiential learning, they teach collaboration, planning, and action, and they develop spatial skills. But they can also be intimidating to implement in lessons, especially if the resources just aren't there. You know, you know I think that it's, it's important to recognize that not only is there the widely accepted notion of a digital gap between different students, um, but there's a, a huge digital gap between different teachers. The teachers themselves, generally not the admin, but some of the teachers don't really understand the, the pedagogical value of games and what they can do and or are kind of overwhelmed because they've never played games and they want to be able to answer all the questions for students. And so they don't want to use a product that they themselves aren't comfortable using. Those problems around time, learning new things and, and everything are just even worse right now during COVID. You know, a lot of people assume that we'll have much higher adoption right now because of remote learning, but really the, the problems of teachers being overwhelmed and having too much to learn that has always existed is just, you know, comes that much harder for them to actually try to adopt new things unless they come to a point where, you know, they need a new resource because they don't have anything that'll work remote. Like right now we're getting a lot of, I can't do labs, I can't do any hands-on, what can I do? My kids aren't engaged, I need something. So, you know, they start, now that they have the basics of how to do remote learning during COVID, they're starting to, to ask these questions and look for tools like ours to, to solve those problems. So it's it's an interesting mix. And I am obviously very respectful of the many, many challenges that exist that you know we are just one tool among a huge tool belt to consider. There's also the issue of digital disparity. Not all school boards can offer devices to teachers and students, and not everyone has access to reliable internet. That being said, 
Our game designers believe teachers can still use games as analog learning tools, and they don't necessarily have to be experts. You know, most teachers aren't teachers because they loved games. Um, some might, right? So putting the putting the weight of like you need to somehow come up with a game for this, you know, that's that's a real that's a real it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, and you know, there are professionals who do that. But telling a kid. For instance, you can create, let, pick a historical figure that we're learning about in history. You can write an essay on that person. You could give a talk on that person. Or you can come up with a game design where that person features as a character in a game. And what things might they be going through? What quests might they be going on? All the same material that would come out of an essay can be presented in that. And teachers don't need to know how to judge the game design like John and I could. But what the teachers would be really be looking for is the same material that they would be looking for in an essay. Is the student presenting, has the student learned these key objectives? Yeah, it's the not historical so much how to information. Yeah. Knowing that even if teachers don't have the knowledge, I've heard teachers before say, like, and I have done workshops with teachers on game design for this very thing, and they'll say, like, I don't know anything about games. And the great answer is you don't need to. You don't need to know anything about games. The students know everything about games. You are the subject matter expert. Are you seeing the subject matter that you want to see in there? Are they hitting? Can you see that they have learned the things you want them to learn? Because it's coming up in the designs that they're creating. You're, you're just judging the subject matter, not the, not the design. And students love it. Thank you for listening to today's episode. As with any new educational approach, there are numerous challenges to using video games successfully in the classroom. Games may not be the best fit for all learning situations, but they can be creative and powerful tools to further education, collaboration, and play. If you want to hear more from us, make sure you subscribe to the Root & Stem podcast on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to rate and review so that other educators can discover us as well, and check out our publications and digital teaching resources at pingwa.com. <laughs>